Hey, well, first of all, I have to explain my appearance to you today. There's a lot of sun stuff in this psalm, isn't there? I bought a pair of shoes for $10 (laughs) at Old Navy. Because I've been told by certain younger individuals, women that I've loved and mentored and prayed for and taught and bled for, that I'm not fashionable. (laughs) And so they actually haven't said it to my face. They just just help me. They just go, yeah, that'd look good. And Because I love black. I wear black, 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 boring, boring, boring. So I watch my girls to see what's cool. And there's about probably 10 of them. Look, look, Shay's wearing yellow. Thank you. Thank you, baby. And uh, so a bunch of my, I mean, so in a fun, hilarious manner, I have any 40-year-old friend I have, we look at the younger women to kind of go, can we pull this off? Is this us or is it too young? You know, the like if I walked in and, and there was a shirt yesterday <laughs> that was yellow and it had all this like biker sequins on it. And I was like, like that's going to go with Psalm 19. That doesn't really work, you know. <laughs> so, but I, and I thought they would be a little bit nervous about that kind of teaching, I think. But um, anyway, so the point is I needed color in my wardrobe. And so I bought these shoes for $10 with my daughter, Anna Joy, who is all about color. I purchased this purse for $10. You're noticing the theme, I know. At Walmart for $10. How long did this sit on my shelf, Mama, in my laundry room before I wear it, use it? It's like I was afraid of it. I was like, oh, it's so colorful. It makes me nervous. It's the big banana, you know. And then I thought, no. One of my favorite things about God is that he has given us the sun to see and the sun for light and for heat. And literally, since I was a child in the faith 20 years ago, he causes me to worship every stinking single time I look up and see it. And so I thought, I'm wearing yellow today. So sweet little girl at um, Charming Charlie's helped me find these. They scared the heck out of me because they're so big. But four of my younger women here said, it's cool, you're good to go, whatever. And I did get to talk to her a little bit about the Lord, but she was interested, so that was fine, too. So anyway, you got to do what you got to do, you know, sunshine earrings, talk about Jesus, everything else. We are going to talk about Psalm 19, one of my absolute favorite psalms in the entire world. Carolyn, pray for us. I'm going to pray for us also. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you that you're the giver of all good things, that you've given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. Thank you for these women. Father, and as we prayed earlier, I pray that there would be a true, in a sense, a true spiritual meal served up, that we would leave here full, that we would leave here with motivation and a desire to know you deeper. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's read first things first. Shall we read the word? Everybody got Psalm 19 in front of you? It is your page 44. Oh, do you know what it is? This is what we talked about, Mama. I have, Mom sent me, I love my mother-in-law. She's one of my best friends. I have this copy of the Bible study, the original. So I don't know what page you're on. (laughs) What page is it? Yeah, sure. Thank you, doll. Boy, now look at how coherent Cindy is after throwing a wedding. She had a lovely, gorgeous wedding, giving away her oldest child. And look at her today. Uh, I have page 44. What do you have? (laughs) Whatever you got. Let's do Psalm 19. (laughs) Okay. The heavens are telling, and and as we read, I'm going to read a little bit slower, as slow as I can for me. The heavens are telling of the glory of God. And their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech. 
Night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their utterances to the end of the world. In them, he has placed a tent for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It rejoices as a strong man to run his course. Its rising is from one end of the heavens, and its circuit to the other end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Equip me of hidden faults. Also, keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, and I shall be acquitted of great transgression. Verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, O Yahweh, my rock and my redeemer. Now, I have two, you have uh, one thing in front of you that says, this is so funny. I feel like I'm, I don't know, it just, it just feels a little bit like a, I'm a car salesman daughter, so I can say this. It feels like a car sale a little bit. Tristy's Easy Observation Tips for nine ninety nine. Um, this is to help you learn how to observe. My girls will tell you, what's the first rule of observation? It's obvious, right? It's obvious. <laughs> yeah. Jane Bell says, read it. That's a good one, too. Yeah. Obvious. It is obvious. And now I'm, we are not going to spend a lot of time looking at this, but I would like for you to have this in your, your little bag here. Easy observation tips. I'm giving you six. If you want additional challenge, you've got a few more. The greatest thing you can learn in studying the Word of God is how to observe it. If you don't observe it, you don't interpret it properly. You don't apply it properly to your own life, do you? When we see a lot of misunderstandings or scriptural differences with people or we uh, see direct, in a sense, disobedience to the word or uh, different cults that pop up, 99% of the game is they don't apply, interpret, and observe correctly. There is a right and wrong when it comes to observation. Now, what's wonderful about this is we are taught, I think, as young believers, when you read the Bible, who are you looking for? That's the right answer. <laughs> who, who are you thinking about when you're reading the Bible? Yourself. That's right. You're like, how does this apply to me? How does this apply to me? That's great. But you're going to miss about half the wagon. Literally, observation, what is there? What is there? What is obvious? Interpretation, what does it mean? Not to me emotionally. Not what I think. What does it mean? Thirdly, application. What does it mean? And here you go. To me. To me. Many, many, many times I have read the word and thought I understood what I was doing when I was studying a passage. And then I would observe it. And I thought, huh, didn't know that. I would interpret it and say, oh, my heavens. And I would apply and go, you're all wrong, girl. (laughs) 
That's not what it's saying to you, Tristy. Observation's obvious. Interpretation, what does it mean? Application, what does it mean to me? Today, I'm going to teach you guys, we're going to make this really fun. I felt like last week, I don't know if you felt like this, but when I was sitting there and watching Uncle Buckle teach, I just felt like I was like this the whole time, and I was a university student. Quickly, taking notes, taking notes, taking notes. Today is going to be a little bit more um, bite-sized, shall we say, a little spiritual injection, hopefully, that can fire you up. I'm going to give you four words to help you memorize Psalm 19, because my prayer for you is that you do memorize it someday. So everybody looking straight ahead, ready, we're going to do this together. Heaven, everybody say heaven, Son, Son. Law, Law. Rewards, do it again, Heaven, Heaven. Son, Son. Law. Law, Rewards. My prayer for us is that we learn to see, not just necessarily what you want to see, but that we see what's truly there. Heaven, Son, Law, Reward. You memorize those four words, you have the basic structure of Psalm 19. We've defined observation, the uh, observation, interpreta- interpretation, application. Look at your text. Look at your text. The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day-to-day pours forth speech, and night-to-night reveals knowledge. Man, that's a lot of talking, isn't it? A lot of verbal usage, isn't it? Three, there is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. The literal Hebrew, their line has gone out throughout the world. It's their sound, if you want to write that. Their sound. And their utterances to the end of the world. And here comes one of my very favorite passages in Scripture. In them, in the heavens, draw an arrow from heavens, All the way down to them, because that's the context, isn't it? In them, in the heavens, he has placed a tent for the sun, which is his bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It rejoices as a strong man to run his course. Its rising is from one end of the heavens, its circuit from to the other end of them, and there's nothing hidden from its heat. Now we're gonna do a fun little thing that I thought would be kind of fun. This kind of reminds me of me and Carolyn, because we have fun together. And we're serious. We're very serious, but we also have a lot of fun. We're going to table talk the sun. What I want you to do is I want you to turn in, in groups. I don't care how you do it. Groups two, three, 45, whatever. Or just me and Jeannie up here up front. Table talk the sun. What I mean by that is this. Think of the things that pop in your mind when you think of this glorious star that God is giving you to see. You'll be surprised. Everybody try to think. Of, let's, let's think of four things, and then we'll pull back together. Okay, ready? Let's table talk the sun. Did you table talk? Did you table talk the sun? Mama, what did you come up with for the sun? You have four? Oh, of course. <laughs> These women have done all of their work. What do you have, girls? Heat, light, brightness, and glory. Heat, light, brightness, and glorious. Mama Joy? That's what I have. Same thing? Niske? Same thing. Y'all work together, don't you? How about this table? Shelly Bergeron's table. What'd y'all come up with? Well, I can call her because she's my friend. She doesn't mind if I embarrass her that that much. It's a constant. Constant. Jeannie and I talked about that. Needed for sustaining life. Needed for sustaining life. Beautiful. Blinding. Warmth. The girls go warmth, blinding, 
Very true. My son tries to stare at the sun as long as he can. Watch, Mom. It's not hurting yet. Not yet. Burning my rods and cones. I can't see. It's hurting. Shannon's table. Would you guys, you guys got anything? They've been... Powerful. Right. My one question I asked Brian that he could not answer, which this is really fun to teach women's Bible study because I can tell you the questions I asked the pastor that he cannot answer. Ha ha. Is I said, you know where it says nothing is hidden from its heat? I said, why did the author, why did David not say light? Brian said, I don't know. <laughs> so nothing's hidden from its heat. Beautiful. You've table talked the sun. This is. Oh, oh, everyone wants. Well, God bless America. They want to share. Oh, my Nancy Spody. Oh, Rebecca Borsky and Na- and my Nancy Spody. They may see what's coming. Oh, he'll see your sin. <laughs> Exposure, ladies over here. Pam's table. Somebody can just say it's hot if you want. Oh, that's my favorite. Sometimes when the sun is shining, I think of my I think of Psalm eighty four eleven. The Lord God, if you want to memorize it, I love this verse. I send it to a jillion and a billion people all the time. The Lord God is a sun and shield. He does not withhold good from those who walk uprightly. How many times in the midst of two children fighting in the sandbox, not thinking spiritually, I have no deodorant on. I'm looking at the sun and thinking, the Lord God is a sun and a shield. Be my sun and be my shield. How about the back table? What would you guys come up with? Sustaining. Sustaining. Yep, sustaining. I love that. That's my girl. She knows how I think. I clock the time really. I go, vitamin D. And my kids are like, Mommy, Mommy, come do this. I was like, no, 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 10 minutes of vitamin D, quick. It makes a difference. How about Shea Purcell? Uh, Purcell yeah, uh, I almost called you Hayes. Shea Purcell's table. Tara, what is yours, honey? Causes growth. You don't mean skin cancer in this situation. You mean correct growth. Yes. Goes with the exposure. Yeah. I think that's perfect. And I think you guys have a, a fantastic read on where David is going. We have a tendency, Brian and I were talking about the other night, the tendency to look at this text, it is true. This is exceedingly disjointed. Did anybody notice that? Oh, my gosh. I was, mar- I was do- marking this up for Jeannie because she's joining me today. And I was like, it goes, eh, you'll see my marks. Eh, 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 eh. It's like, where's he going now? Okay, I'm excited about heaven, and I love the sun. Oh, yeah, the law. And don't forget to pray and meditate with a pure heart. You know, it's just, was he sunburned? <laughs> I don't know. But you're right. Everything you said about the sun, I love it. Nobody said sunburned. Did you notice that? We you did? Good. Oh, yeah. Nobody wants to say negative about the sun at Bible study. That's wrong. Yeah. Okay. Notice you have pens. And notice you have, pay, uh, well, you have at least two colors here. Three. You have pens at all your tables. My good friend Shannon, one of my girls, and I have talked about this, one of the greatest things we did in, when we did college ministry together was to teach our students to observe for the very reasons that we talked about earlier and as you noticed, remember last week when, I keep wanting to say Uncle Buckle, but I'll have to call him his professional name, Dr. Anderson. When we talked about 
marking up your text. There are many ways to observe. K. Arthur does it one way. Mama learned growing up in a little church in a totally different way. Put a P over a promise, you know, a cross over a Jesus word, a triangle for the wicked. You know, I mean, you, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you can, in a sense, you can establish your own system. There's a standard system. Look at the very front of your, I don't know what page you have. I have page, like, none, but <laughs> I had to get the lesson earlier because I had to prepare. <laughs> so I got this one. Four and five, hey, we're on the same one. Notice very quickly, because we go into it quick. This is the typical, if you, if you had to say, what is standard GBC observational practices? Here you go. Underline all your verbs. Circle your key phrases. Highlight repeated words. Box. I love to box, I'll tell you. Underline, highlight, use different colors. Some people I know use pink for Jesus, blue for the Father, yellow for the Spirit when they're studying a gospel. Observational task two. Do you see that where it says observational task two, everybody? A primary theme is, and I want you to draw a circle around this phrase, the big idea. When I teach a woman to speak, give a talk, share a testimony, teach a Bible study, I tell her one thing. What do you want them to walk away with? What's the one, two, three things, that's it, that you want them to walk away with? Observational task two, the big idea. Observational task three, write two or more observations per verse. Observation task four, they give you some examples. The paper that I wrote for you is the very first time that I was teaching how to do observations. And let's read just a couple of those. People laugh because they, I, I think our thing is, is that we think we're the church, we understand the Bible, it's written in English now, praise God, you know, all those kind of things. But the bottom line is we really don't, and we don't humble ourselves to learn, do we? We think we know. And that's why a lot of times the little sweetie pie sitting next to you at church on Sunday morning who can't find the book of Job, right, like me, is, is nervous. God bless them. I love sitting in the back. I always get a young college girl sitting next to me who's nervous. Nervous every time. And half the time I can't find what I'm looking for too because I got Ben and Joy running around. So we can make friends on our deficiencies. You know what I'm saying? So the point is, let us humble ourselves and dig deeply without having a presupposition. Look at your easy observation tips. Number one, how, and look at your Psalm 19. We're going to do this all together. You ready? Number one, how many verses are there in this text? How many times is God mentioned in the text? Yes, ma'am. How many verses are there in the text? We said 14. How many times is God mentioned in the text? Pronouns, yes. Six times, Mama? 15. You may count Lord Adonai. You may count Lord. Honest to goodness, I count them. Yeah. I do. I count capital He, I count Lord Adonai, capital L, small O, small O, small R, small D. I count Yahweh. I do. Yeah. Any reference to God? How many times is God mentioned in this text? Ooh. See, now again, freedom, right? Freedom. And I'll tell you, Jane Battle can do what she wants to do because she memorized Philippians. All y'all. My husband was bragging on her. How many times is God mentioned in the text? Now, if you were doing, if we were studying a New Testament verse, we might, or New Testament text, we might say, how many times is Jesus mentioned in the text? Number four, who are the chief characters? This does not necessarily apply to a psalm, but it sure as heck will in a prison epistle, wouldn't it? Right? 
What are the key words? This is a fantastic discipline to understand as you study text. Ms. Borsi, do you have a question? Okay. Number six, what are the direct commands? I learned that from Elizabeth Elliot. What is God telling you to do? And then I wrote, I'm trying to encourage you. There you go. You are on your way. <laughs> you can do it. For additional challenge, okay. Now, Mom, Mom and I talked about this. I, I love, love to run everything about my mother-in-law because she's one of my best pals. And she's got lots, lots, lots godlier than me. Number one, where have I seen the same thing? And Mama said, what do you mean by that, Tris? A timeless principle in the Old Testament. For example, if Jesus is speaking about the fact that he will be dead and in the ground for three days, and in three days I will resurrect this, what is he referring to in the Old Testament? Tell me one reference. Jonah. Jonah. Yeah. That's something you jot as you observe, correct? Number two, what are the verbs in this text? Critical. What are the verbs and what are the tenses of those verbs? Number three, where is the author writing from? That's always rich. And that leads us into number four. What kind of book is this I'm reading? I asked Brian, we had a private little delightful pseudo date last night because mom and dad had the kids. We ate Fazoli's slowly. <laughs> and I said, hey, big boy, I know prison, of, I know gospels, prison epistles, and, and uh, apocalyptic narrative. But what are the other Bible, what, what, what else in the New Testament are the types of the books? And that was about it, so. <laughs> but truly, prison epistle, Philippians, Colossians, uh, well, I used to, this is how I learned it, Sarah knows, God eats potato chips, right? General Electric Power Company, you guys got it? My son thinks this is the funniest way. He goes, God eats potato chips? I'm like, not really, you know. But he thinks it's cool that the Bible can be humorous to some degree. General Electric Power Company, what is it? Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Those are your prison epistles. God, he's pork chops. And he's Hebrew, Jane. Your four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Acts, historical. Romans, I call it the legal treatise. Brian calls it epistle. <laughs> and then finally, enjoy digging the gems of blessing out of God's word. How much time you put into your observation is how much you will get out of it. And I promise you, promise you, promise you, if I'm wrong, you come tell me. But if you, if you ask God in the beginning of your time with him, show me something I haven't seen, he will do it. I have met a jillion Christianized people who think they know everything about the Bible. And then they study text and they say the same doggone thing every time. What do they say? I never saw that before. I never saw that before. Isn't it glorious? Why? The word is living. It's living. It's active. It's living. I love that. We talked about observations. Tell me observations. They are obvious, right? Interpretation. What is it? What does it mean? Correct? Application. What does it mean to me? As you study Psalm 19 or any book in the Bible, the stuff we've talked about this morning will be in your lifetime back pocket, shall we say. Pages 46 through 47, for me, for you, I don't know what it is necessarily. What is it, Mama? <laughs> okay, Mama says 45. Where it says, what does it mean, interpret? Circle, if you would, with any color pen. Simile. You see it, friends? I know it's, it's tricky, tricky. Yeah, uh, Jeannie says 44 and 45 in hers. 
I have 46, 47. Circle simile, circle metonymy, circle personification, and circle, this is my favorite word of the week, anthropomorphism. You go home and tell your husband that. What did you do at Bible study today? Just waste a lot of time with the girls, kids in the nursery, mess around. I had a hard day at work. Go, really? I learned anthropomorphism. How about you, big boy? Okay. Anthropomorphism. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, and the reason why is because, I, again, I want to make it bite-sized, and I want it to, uh, us to have a little light little spiritual injection. But I will tell you, all four of these are used in this psalm. What's a simile? We all know from grammar class, right? Like or as. Metonymy. Anybody know? Exact. Metonymy. I think of this as verses 1 through 4 in Psalm 19. Personification. One of the greatest things in the Old Testament. The rivers clap their hands. You know, the mountains sing for joy. The heavens are telling. That's right. And there's our word, which to me, this, it just cracks me up. Anthropomorphism. The portrayal of God in human terms. I will tell you, between five and six, personification and anthropomorphism, they're difficult to differentiate. Sarah Mullins nodding her head. She agrees with me. They're difficult to differentiate until you understand one is an inanimate object, and there's a, there's a humanness attributed to it, and one is God, <laughs> right? Does God have smoke coming out of his nostrils in Psalm 18 when he comes to rescue me and set me in a broad place because he delights in me? No. I, I don't think there's some smoke coming out of those nostrils. <laughs> Does he have nostrils? <laughs> we don't know, right? We know he has backward parts that he let Moses see, but we don't know much else, right? I think part of this, part of the reason the text is set up this way is so we have to study it, learn it, and begin to try to understand. Brian blew all my, um, my guess, great. You, know, you think you're going to go to heaven and you're going to have all your questions answered. You know, Brian, when I ask God this, this, and this, he's going to tell me, right? And Brian goes, no. He said, I, he goes, I just am not convinced from scriptural evidence that God is going to answer every question we know because he is so separate and so holy. We'll learn things. I imagine myself walking with Peter, you know, going, man, that is a lot of gold, dude. <laughs> I mean, you know, these, these things are going to be answered. But the separateness of God or why he chose to use certain words, some questions may be unanswered. But what he's given us is his written word, and we can understand it. And that brings us to the two things we're going to talk about that are the big heavy hitters today. General revelation and natural revelation. Flip back, if you would, dearlings. Now, the way this is written, again, I have no idea what page you're on. All I know is I've got a Milky Way right here. (laughs) I have a Milky Way, and I have a page 43. In, in these big theological systems, they can call them natural revelation or written revelation. The way I taught it and the way we learned it is general and specific. Aaron can tell me an example of general revelation. Tell me uh, general revelation, babe. Yeah. Tell me an example uh, in Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens. Perfect. Yeah, the heavens. General or natural revelation is what? Stepping outside on that pretty day and going, man, Colorado is cool. The mountains remind me of God. The Psalms tell me someday we'll have a feast on the mountains. Cool. A tree, man, Psalm 1. 
I want to be the blessed man, firmly planted by the streams of living water. I don't want my leaf to wither, and all that I do, I want to prosper, right? You're looking at anything. My kids can find the Lord outside in anything, y'all. I mean, they found him in the fungus in the pool yesterday, y'all. They're like, that's like God. I was like, well, he's not fungus. No, but it's growing. You know, <laughs> well, kind of, sort of. How do you get out of this situation? Look, looking, I think we are so accustomed to living life, jobs, errands, marriage, children. We miss everything. Drive down the street and ask God, open your eyes. Notice that cloud. That's general revelation. He exists. He made it. Evolution is still a theory, remember? It's not a law. Somebody asked me, you know, because it's a law. I was like, no, 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 no. Still a theory. Sorry. (laughs) General revelation is God saying, I am here. I am creator. I have made all of these things, and I have made them for you. Look at your text, if you would. Flip back to Psalm 19. And Brian and I had a fantastic t- conversation about this Sunday. It was one of those exhilarating shared teaching times. We got, both got fired up about the word. What do you think in Psalm 19? I'm going to look on yours, sweetheart. Psalm 19, what do you think is the example of general revelation? Somebody, anybody in the world, I'll give you a hint. I'm dressed in the color. The sun. You got it. General natural revelation. The sun is the chief illustration. If you want to jot that down, that might be good. The sun is the chief illustration of general revelation in Psalm 19. Okay? I don't want to use all of our time rereading specifically verses 5 and 6, but you get the gist. Bridegroom coming out of his chamber. That's Danny Stimson. Rejoices as a strong man to run its course. Its rising is from one end in the east to the west, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. Okay? This is not about the Lord. As you interpret correctly, you're going to go back, right? How do you know it's not about God? I haven't thought about asking that question, but I think I will. How do you know this is not about God? How do you know these verses five through the the sun stuff is not about God? Which goes back to sun. And look at this. It says, in them, correct? Where's my arrow going? The heavens. Nice. Oh, look at Andrea. Girl, you rockin'. Have you seen such a thorough study? That is unreal. Way to go. The heavens are telling of the glory of God. The heavens follow it, follow it grammatically, right? Follow it, follow it, follow it, follow it. It doesn't change, and all of a sudden it says, in them. Who's the them? The heavens. The heavens. The sun. What is your example of general revelation in Psalm 19? The sun. Correct? Ma'am? I would, I would. I think, that, I, I think it's an example. I think it's a setting, a backdrop. I think the reason he spent so many verses and time on the sun is because it was the chief illustration, to tell you the truth. There's a second kind of revelation, right? General specific. What's the second kind? Does anybody know? Sarah, do you know? That's okay. No, 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 no. That's okay. Happy, did you? Specific, did I say it? Happy's on my back. She's like, Trish, you kind of already said that. You know, on uh, teaching days, I only drink one cup of coffee. I want you to know. I don't drink two anymore. Right. Yeah. Specific written revelation. I like it that people write specific or written. I, I, like, I prefer the idea of written because it's about the law. <laughs> specific written revelation. What is your chief illustration? It is verses 7 through 9. The law. And this we will read. Okay? If you would like to mark as you go. 
I see about one, two, three, four, five, six times the Lord's name, Yahweh, is written. Perhaps you'd like to highlight that. Law, testimony, precepts, commandments, fear, judgments. When I do my personal Bible study, you know what I want to know when I study that? What are the differences in those? Why does he delineate between law, testimony, precepts, commandments? And I ask myself, what do these things do? What do these things do? I noticed for the first time after teaching and studying this for I don't know how many years that I thought, oh, my gosh, seven through nine. I've always just viewed these so passively, almost kind of mamby-pamby, the law of the Lord endures forever, you know, kind of thing. And all of a sudden I realized, holy mackerel, look at that. It does something. These are action principles. The law of the Lord is what? Perfect, complete. What does it do? It does something. It restores the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. What does it do? Making wise the simple. These are action things. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. I love this. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. And the judgments of the Lord are what? True. They're righteous all together. Restore, if you want to take another color pen, perhaps. We're doing a little observation, right? You underline, squared, hearted, put a big smoochy sign, whatever you did, on the Yahweh word, correct? How about restoring, making, rejoicing, enlightening, enduring, and righteous? Maybe you could slash that in a certain way. Color it, circle it, box it, however you choose. The point is, it does something. There are two kinds of revelation. Please tell me what they are again. What's your first one? General. What's your chief illustration? The sun. Second kind of, uh, kind of uh, revelation is specific. And what is the chief illustration? The law. Now, uh, we're going to take a couple. I'm going to run through one thing, and then I'm going to give you one more table talk. Because I think everybody needs a little table talk. Just a minute. Now, again, my pages are messed up. Uh, if you would turn to pages 48 through 51, these are your questions. See my observation page? You haven't seen it's not Andrea's observation page. But, and we flip through the four, remember? Anthropomorphism, simile, metonymy, personification. We did those four. And now we go into question time. Correct? What page do you have it on, Jade? Jeannie has, uh, what, honey? Uh, yeah, interpret your questions. It's page 45, ladies. Correct? Okay, I have it on 48 through, yeah, yeah, different, but that's cool. I would love for you to circle. You don't have to use a different color on this. Circle question number one, number six, number nine, number ten, and number twelve. Number one, number six, number nine, number ten. <laughs> We're about to have coffee break. Number nine, number ten, number twelve. These were on number 12, I wrote for myself. It was worshipful. I wrote beautifully written. I would like for you to read number 12 tonight on your own. So write read on own <laughs> underneath it. 1, 6, 9, 10 we're going to talk about. Now tell me again, what are your two types of revelation? General and specific. Ooh, and this is going to be interesting. Tell me your four words, how you know Psalm 19. Heaven. Yes. Interpret questions 1, 6, 9, and 10. 
the most important question in this entire, I think, Bible study on this page is, which one do you think? Which one do you think? Somebody guess. One, six, nine, or ten? Yeah, baby. Stars, stripes, circles, arrows. You do whatever the heck you got to do to that thing. What benefit is there? Is that your six? I sure hope. <laughs> Ginger's like, yeah, Tristan. What benefit is there in knowing God's word? My heavens, we could talk for 45 hours on that, could we not? The directive to this particular text that we're studying is, is Psalm 19, verses 7 through 11. But this is a question worth meditating on. This is a question worth haga, chewing, <laughs> meditating, thinking about. What benefit is there in knowing God's word? Is it only personal life change? Is it obedience? Because he told you to. Sometimes for me, it's reward, because I want reward. Right? Sometimes it's conviction. I, we had a reunion. I wasn't even going to plan on sharing this, but we had a reunion of uh, the girls that I discipled when they were in college. And it was really, really fun last summer. And we had um, the group of 98 on first, and then I have my class of 97 girls. And you know what? It was really funny. I was praying, and I thought, Lord, I really don't have anything to, you know, I don't feel the need to impart anything to them. They are exceedingly godly women, but they are very, very funny, and I love them, and they made me laugh, and I just adore them. So what shall we do? And I felt the Lord told me one thing. He said, Tristy, teach them this. Nothing will satisfy you. No man, no baby, no job, no beauty, no money, like the word of God and like his presence. And that's all he said. And I thought, man, alive. And over the last year, the Lord has just reminded me of the privilege it is to have his word. Every other day I teach my kids, I'm like, how many Bibles we got in this house, child? Oh, about 22. I was like, how many do they have in China? How many do they have in Saudi Arabia? Ben's favorite story. Favorite story, which Grandma and Grandpa, we love this one. In Russia, when they confiscated all the Bibles and they burned them publicly in the, the 44,000 piles of rubbish. Some of you may be, may be familiar with this. They burned them all and they're like, away with Christianity. We are an atheistic commune. Yay! Well, some Christians decided that they would... Um, you know, tape some different things on the underside of their drawers. So when they open the drawer to get, say, their socks, the Lord is a lamp and a light. <laughs> they could see it. Well, then finally, some really mean communists, they thought, we got a great idea. We so despise God, we're using it as toilet paper. <laughs> what do you think happened? <laughs> People by the thousands began knowing God's word. <laughs> Which I love, the comedy of errors of this. They knew the word by thousands. Underground churches grew explosively. It is Ben's favorite story, and probably because it involves the bathroom. (laughs) But literally speaking, God's word is one of your greatest gifts you have. And I I cannot encourage you more tonight even as you study, because I'm going to challenge you to, to do some things tonight by yourself, not in a group with other people that you don't really know that well looking at you. So what sins have you committed, Sarah? You know, by yourself. Ask God to give you a heart to love his word, and he will do it. Otherwise, it's just going to be another book for y'all. Right up there with the shack. Right up there with 
the romance novels we read. I mean, you know, or even our believing God. And it's not none of those things. It's living. It's active. And you have probably 20 different copies in your, room, in your house, don't you? Think about that Saudi Arabian man who got his hand cut off because he had one page of Galatians. Number six, what benefit is there in knowing God's word? Uh, let's review really quickly one more time. Your four words, Psalm 19. What two types of revelation are Psalm 19 based on? Perfect. What's your chief revelation, uh, symbol of revelation, general revelation? The sun. Natural revelation, the law. Literally in Hebrew, it is the Torah. But we also know Jesus calls all of his word God's word. And so we would say the whole Bible, correct? Is, is it not true? Textually, if we look at Psalm 19, all the things that, that, they talk, that David talks about the law are also true about Jesus' words in the New Testament, are they not? It's true. Question number six, one benefit is there to knowing God's word? And we're going to do this lastly. We're going to take a two-second break because I think we need it. If you will draw an arrow and reverse questions nine and ten for me, chunk, chunk, just draw your arrows. I think you have to understand question ten to, uh, to do something and apply question nine. Number 10 on mine says, on whatever the heck page it is, <laughs> what is the difference between hidden faults and willful sin? Everybody go, all right, cool, sin. I thought she said this was sunshine day. <laughs> this is a fantastic thing to understand. If you understand this, I think you're set for life. It's a lot like Psalm 51. I was telling Chan the other day. Hidden faults and willful sin. Literally, this is the difference between them. Hidden faults. Now think, this is going to be easy. Can you see them? No. Are you aware of them? No. What is a presumptuous sin? Anybody know the Hebrew? Mm, I love Nancy's body. She said knowing it and doing it. <laughs> That's right. The Hebrew literally means high-handed. High-handed. When people would get stoned outside the city gates in Exodus and in Deuteronomy, it's because they committed a presumptuous sin, high-handed. God's will says this, I will not, you die. Presumptuous sin. David prays, keep me back from presumptuous sins. Okay? I think all of us in this room understand presumptuous sins fairly well, right? Hey, don't kill anybody today, okay, you know? Don't, don't do that. We understand that. Presumptuous sins. But I'm convinced we don't understand hidden faults. When I was in my 20s, either somebody taught me this or the Lord just put it in my brain. But I remember thinking, I'll bet you a million bucks. If hidden faults are given water and soil and sun, they grow to presumptuous sins. Do you think? If sin grows the way that I know it does, it's got to start somewhere. Willful sin starts as hidden sins. Let me tell you the greatest prayer you can pray and pray it tonight. It's fantastic. Say to God, Father, in my lifetime, show me my hidden faults. Dig them out of my heart. The blackness, the evil, the sin, the self-deception, the lies that I believe, dig them out. Now, it may hurt, it may sting, but he may have to hurt you to help you. Cleanse yourself from hidden faults, and they will never be presumptuous sins, will they? 
You read about these Christians doing crazy stuff. Crazy, presumptuous sin stuff. And you're thinking, where the heck did he get that idea? I Hmm, here's a theory. How about hidden sin? How about no repentance for those hidden sins? How about doesn't give a rip about the word of God? How about is uh, completely in isolation with no accountability? And the devil says, at last, I have you. And begins to whisper in his ear. Hidden faults, hidden faults. You cannot see them. You don't know if you're a gossip maybe today. <laughs> you may not know you're a materialist. God does. You may not know you're greedy. God does. You may not know that you struggle with a bitter spirit towards your husband. God does. You may not know you're resentful towards your family. God does. Doesn't he? Write that down. Lord, show me my hidden faults. I want to be clean. I want to be clean. You know what? You're really protected from presumptuous sins if you're dealing with your hidden faults in that way. That's why I flipped them. Okay? Now that you understand, what kind of sins are we talking here? Tell me. Hidden faults and presumptuous, high-handed sins. Flip to number nine. Based on this psalm, how can you overcome being ruled by sin? We just talked about it, didn't we? Yeah. And let me give you three points, and then we're going to take a break. Three points on how you, once you get this, once you say, I think I'm understanding (laughs) repentance, being clean, allowing nothing to take a foothold in my life. No hidden faults. I confess my my, uh, presumptuous sins. I live in harmony with my family, my spouse, my friends. How can you overcome being ruled by sin? What's beautiful about it, once you're clean, you can do three things. You You can worship God. You can worship God in creation. My favorite, a little Mary Magdalene-ism here. Actually, it's John chapter 4, my favorite woman in Samaria. You can be clean. You know that feeling of being clean? I struggle with, I can't remember what I did, but I did two things. Yesterday and the day before, and I was convicted pretty quick, and the Lord was like, aren't you teaching on Wednesday? I was like, oh, yeah. And that's sin. Oh, yeah. Quick confession. My favorite Nancy Lee DeMoss quote, be the first to race to the cross. If I've hurt Shay's feelings, I want to be the first one to say, Shay, I don't know what I did. Maybe it's my imagination. Maybe I'm overreacting. But will you forgive me? Shay goes like this. Yes, I will. Thank you, darling. Thank you. When you live a life that is not ruled by sin and you're dealing with your hidden faults and your presumptuous sins, you can worship God in creation, you can be clean, and you be in the Word and meditate because you can only hear Him when you are clean. What does David say about that? If I cherish iniquity in my heart, I can't hear Him. You don't know how many women I know, I would never, ever, ever do this, 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 and this, that are doing just those things. Why? They lived in unconfessed sin. Hidden faults became presumptuous sins, and they became ruled by sin. What I'd love for you to do right now is to take just two minutes. We're going to do a little, (laughs) this was so funny. I wrote it down, and I thought, it even looks kind of like, huh. But I want you to table talk sin. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. Table talk sin. If you want to, you can table talk how to avoid it. If you want to table talk about accountability, if you want to table talk what sin is, take two minutes. 
and try that. And then we will wrap up. Yeah, really. Sin. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. You guys ready? Everybody ready? Which one's Charlie? Oh, 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 oh. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Miss Carol. Carol, you want to raise your hand so everybody can see you in pink, sweetheart? I love my friend Carol. She said, you know, you guys table talked how to, how, about, we talked about sin. She said, what were your three things again, Tristy? Worship God as he truly is. When you're living a life that, I'm not as going to say sin free, because we all know we had. One day I was cooking and I thought, you know, I, I really can never live sin free. Why? I have hidden faults that I can't even see. Rats. <laughs> but you can worship God as you understand. Worship God as he truly is in creation and the law. Two is you can be clean, which who doesn't like to be clean? Reminds me of a pedicure. Be in the word and meditate. Be in the word and meditate. How was table talk? <laughs> ladies, how about these ladies right here? What did you guys come up with for sin, Miss Amanda? Tolerated. Ooh, that is awesome. Will you say that again, sweetie? Hidden faults are usually tolerated. Very good point. Hidden faults are usually tolerated and sometimes socially petted. It's okay, girl. We all read that magazine. Very. And we just kind of talked about a little bit um, the respectable sins, you know, that we are we are very quick to, to point out, oh, you, this politician lied, but I lied the other day when I told him I did the dishes and I didn't. Yeah, I mean, we're, very we're good. quick to, to point out other things, but, um, and also like what you're saying, when you ask God to reveal hidden Ooh. faults, that it hurts, and we want to keep them hidden. We want to hide them ourselves. Yeah. You know? so. Y'all, fantastic. Pet sins. I read an author say one day. Pet sins. I got a little materialism here. Petty, petty, petty. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, all these kind of things. Yeah, it's okay. Very good. That, is, you know, more and more, you, I think many of you know this. I love, 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 love. And mama's going to laugh. I love to read and God gave me no left brain, but only a right brain. So I read very, very fast. I can't add two plus two, but I read very fast. So I love to read. And I read an author the other day that was just talking about that. And it was like, how do you expect the blessing of God or to hear his voice if you tolerate these pet sins? It's hypocrisy, you know. It's Phariseeism. It's ridiculous. And there's no revival if there's no... Clean cleanliness. There's no revival. Were you going to say something else, yeah, Just the other thing. Um, uh, the verse, you know, be at peace with all men so far as it depends on you. And the lie that Satan gives us is that peace is tolerance. Peace equals tolerance. And that's a lie because in order to be peaceful, you need to live in righteousness. And there needs to be edification and confrontation, but in a peaceful way. Yeah. You know, in your anger, do not sin. But be at peace with one another. I'm going to take this microphone off and put it on you. <laughs> is, that, is that okay with you? I'll, I'll hook it to the tummy. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. Girls, anything to add? Elaine? Linda said uh, sneaky. Sneaky sins. I like that. Because sometimes I live with two Pharisees. Ben was doing this, and then she doesn't. Joy was doing this. Then she does it. I'm like, no, which one? You know, very good. Sneaky, yeah. And I think, and, and if you've heard this before. 
Satan doesn't overtly tell you, you should go steal from the, you know, shop and grab or whatever. <laughs> he's not going to tell you that. But he's going to whisper in your ear, and we've talked about this, my girls and I, in first person always, I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm stupid, I'm a bad wife, I stink at Bible study, I don't know why I'm here, I'm not even good enough to be here. I, 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 I. I taught my son the other day. I said, what's the middle, word of the, middle letter of the word sin? He goes, um, oh, I. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Anybody else want to share uh, anything about sin? The heavy Simpson table? Miss Jane? Yeah, the, the key word for hidden faults is extirpate. Oh. Reach down and grab it out and yank it up by the roots. Extirpate. Mm-hmm. It makes the same thing as eradicate, but it's just a, neat, a neater word. I love that. Now, can you tell me how to say that again, dear? <laughs> extirpate. Extirpate. How can I use this with children, Jane? All y'all extirpate your rooms or whatever. That's fantastic. That is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> extirpate. Take away. Would you say? Reach down and grab it out and yank it out. Yeah. Yeah. I sent out an email just to my best friend yesterday. I had uh, I had not been sleeping well for two nights, and I had a ki- I had some killer headaches that came out of nowhere. And so these girls know me, and they know how to pray for me. And I said, and if it's the enemy, tell him step off, Mister. You know. <laughs> I was like, so that kind of reminds me of that you remind me of something very interesting, Jane. That one time, Dad and I, Dad Fisher, I have. People get confused. This is my mother-in-law. Or, and people always like say, oh, it's my mother-in-law or whatever. It's like, you know, that's cool. Um, but we, I gave her a Mother's Day card, and we think it's the funniest thing in the world. Is It says, <laughs> I just love it. it says, you're more than my mother. You're also my friend. I guess that makes you my frother. <laughs> <laughs> so Mama and I are frothers. We're tight brothers. Anyway, but Dad came over, and Dad is fantastic. Dad Fisher, about teaching me how to run large equipment. Now, I am not a large person, but I can get on the chopper, and, you know, he goes, now get up there, Trissy, and just give it like that. Dad's behind me. We're both standing there, and we are trying to use, what's that thing called? The stump remover, stump grinder remover, take her out or thing. So he's behind me, and Dad and I can both fit on this together. Yeah, stump grinder, thank you. So he's standing behind me, and we're both going, ding, 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 And this thing, this sucker's massive. We're just on this, and it was so cool because I was thinking, my dad's teaching me how to use it. It's so neat. Ding, 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 dung. My dad gum. Ding, 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 dung. Ding, 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 dung. Finally, we're like, rats. And I go, Dad, what happened? He goes, it's broken. Fooey. We rented it. <laughs> so we, our dad's strong as a horse. He turns it over on the side. We look. Do you know how big that thing was that broke that two, almost two-ton machine? I took it. I said, Dad, can I have that? He goes, yes. I put it by my front door as my reminder of a root of bitterness. It broke that hundreds of thousands of dollars of machine, which we had insurance, so we were cool. But the point is, a little bit of sin can break a whole lot of stuff. Please, Ginger, Yes. See, she got it right first time. Extra paid. Yeah, you guys bring a good point. How do you stop sinning? Ask God. Ask God. Any other idea? Accountability. 
giving yourself grace, but being truthful. And uh, I, I will tell you the fastest trick I know on how to get out of sin. It's I, I, actually there's two, and I've taught them to my children for about seven years, and I probably teach it to them. I would say two or three times a week, Mom. What did Billy Graham do when he was tempted to sin? Do you know? He did it in one word. Flee. Get the heck out of Dodge. You struggle with an eating disorder. You're going to somebody's house. She's got all her Victoria's Secret magazines out and her peoples and all these skinny people things. And, and look at these big you-know-whats and all this other kind of stuff. And you go, I think this is unwise for me to be here. Leave. If you're with your boy, your boyfriend, you're doing stuff, starting to go places you're not supposed to be going, leave. If you're talking to a group of women and they're starting to gossip or speak negatively, leave. Right? You're at the mall. You're walking. You start to feel a little bit greedy. Kind of want those kind of shoes. Kind of need those kind of shoes. <laughs> you know, flee. You have to hear the Lord, though. Right? It's a pattern. It's a language. The confession of sin and repentance is a language between you and the Lord. The discernment of hidden and presumptuous sins. Flee, 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 flee. Second thing I do all of the time, every other day, is I pray out loud in the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that he is king of kings. My children, just now, my daughters especially, every now and then she's scared to walk across the house if it's if at dusk. I don't know where that's coming from. I mean, some of it is, yes, it could be, you know, hey, you're a child and you're growing up and all that stuff. But the point is, I want them to learn to use the name of Jesus the way he intended it to be used, as a sword of power. You got everything you need pertaining to the life and godliness. You have his word, and you have his sword, and you have power. You have dominion. That's what Jeannie and I learned in believing God. We have dominion. So when my daughter runs up to me and she says, Mommy, I'm afraid, and I only need you, the other day I said, No, you don't. You need Mommy because you can see me, and I will protect you always. But say out loud, in the name of Jesus, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Use his name out loud. Jesus, help me. I don't know how many times spirit of fear of the Lord has freed me from the spirit of fear tremendously the last two years, but how many times I would be doing something or sensing an evilness, oppressive spirit. I have two friends in, uh, in a very, very close country of Tibet right now, and literally the minute they touch their foot across that line, there's a spirit of oppression, like, like almost physical. Like if, if you're sitting on my shoulder, it's just like, oh, my gosh, you know, it's a spirit of oppression. The name of Jesus Flee in the name of Jesus. What a great, you guys really took it in a great direction. I dig it. And nice with the petting sins and everything else. We're doing great. Most important application I want to give you for Psalm 19 is I'd love for you to memorize verse 14. To me, it is a point of the psalm. Oh, am I on the right page? Yes. Verse 14 is always verse 14 in the text, is it not? (laughs) Are you ready? How about we read it together, shall we? Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock, my redeemer. How many names for God are in that verse? Observational quiz? Three. Is it Lord Adonai? Lord Yahweh. Yahweh. My rock and my redeemer. How interesting David would use the word let. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable. 
He recognizes the kingship of God, doesn't he? I love that. I love that. If you will look to what I would love for you to do tonight, and, and I have all these friends that have, so, some women, because the nursery was so full, they do this by internet, which has been super duper fun. We've built this little, uh, however you want to say, I don't want to say cult. <laughs> I mean, we've built this little group where I email them my notes, they download the psalm, and now they're going to get the audio too. So it's like they're doing it at home. They don't, unfortunately, they don't get the fellowship that, that we're receiving, but they are getting the material and they're going through it with us. This is my challenge for you tonight. If you would turn to page 50 and 51, my book, I don't know your book, it should say apply up top. Okay. You guys just go wherever you want to go. Okay. <laughs> um, I am convinced that I hear the Lord the most strongly through uh, his word, through fantastic preachers like Brian Fisher, through uh, godly, godly friends. And when I am by myself, when I'm by myself, I deal with my petty, petty sins. When I'm by myself, I think deeply. When I'm by myself, I can pray thoroughly. So where it says apply, I would like for you where it says reflect on your life. You know what? I want you to do that privately. I want you that privately. I'd love for you to do it tonight. I'm going to pray for each of you that you find time, even 10 minutes when the kids are down and you think, I'm too tired to do this. Sit there and ask the Lord. Begin to process what we've talked about. Hidden sin, presumptuous sin. The sin is general revelation. The law is specific revelation. What does that mean? What does that mean to me? And I would like for you to write this down, if you would. I want you to write a mission statement. Okay? My girls and I do this. We love mission statements. Because, excuse me, here's why. When you write a mission statement, if you write a list of goals, you might get them. run four miles, you know, do this, this, this. Lists sometimes don't. They only work for the grocery store, just face it, you know. But a mission statement encapsulates, and that other word that Jane used earlier, encapsulates everything you really think and believe about yourself, I think. I think it's a wonderful way to focus. Write your mission statement on the following. When it says over here, Reflect on your life privately. Apply one this week. What exactly are you going to do differently this week because of this Bible study this morning, these last two hours? What will you do differently this week? And I'd like for you to write that. What will I do differently this week? (laughs) And I want you to write down, what will I do differently for the next three months? The summer. I learned this in summer Bible studies, and I'm going to apply it all summer. I mean, I think it's cool if you really forsake sin this week. I'm really excited for you, (laughs) but I'd like for you to do it for three months, you know? (laughs) So make it a summer, a summer mission statement. This is mine, and I don't know if you have, I don't think you have it. I don't think you have it, Um, but I might be able to email it to you. Uh, I want to worship God through general and written revelation, quickly dealing with sin, obeying his law, and my favorite, receiving the reward of himself. Let me read that to you again. For some people, writing a mission statement is standard, is standard operating procedure. For others, it's not. In a mission statement, write down what you, what you want, perhaps how you're going to get it. Be specific. <coughs> For some people, they're going to write one sentence. I want to pray more. Fantastic. Write out your mission statement based on Psalm 19. I want to look at the sun more and worship you. And in August, you'll go, 
Cool. I've never been so aware of God's general revelation. Mine is, I want to worship God through general and written revelation, quickly dealing with sin, obeying his law, and receiving the reward of himself. When Brian and I were talking about this, he said, he goes like, I love it when he gets passionate about this. He claps his hands very loudly. He goes, God wants to be known. And then he said, what does God want to say to you? And I was like, wow, that's wonderful, honey. You're the best. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable, pleasing, fragrant to you. Tonight, work on your mission statement. Tonight, ask him how to apply the stuff we've been talking about. Think through what you've learned in a sense academically, general, revelation, physical, all this other stuff. Tell me the four things there, Psalm 19, really quickly. As you drive home, I want you to think. Boom, 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 boom. You've got it. That is Psalm 19. One last quick thing is we are, <laughs> I was about to say, I'm sure like it's a clocking thing, like it's a job. We're off next week. <laughs> we're off next week, but fun idea, me and Carolyn just were talk, just talking about this, is I, we're off next week because of a hugely important thing. Uh, we have sports camp next week. And I'm going to ask you guys to do me a favor. I want you to write this in your book, if you would. Will you pray that I'm going to ask the Lord for 20 children to trust Christ? I want 20. Let's take 20 from the enemy's side, shall we? Don't forget to pray in whose name? Jesus', Jesus name. 20 kids for Christ. Pray for, uh, pray for Beverly's workers. Pray for Bev's, the, cheerlead- the girls who are doing cheerleading, the kids who are doing soccer, the kids who are doing basketball. Pray for her staff, Bev, Rachel, everybody, Meredith, I mean the gang. Pray for their marriages. Pray for them physically, no illness. You know how to do it, right? Pray for them. And, let, and perhaps, and see what's really nice, this gives you two weeks to work on Psalm 23, which is super duper cool. And we're going to title Psalm 23, Everybody Reads It at a Funeral. Have you ever noticed that? Everybody in America, pagan America, can go, well, I, I mean, I don't know how many funerals we've been to, and they'll tell Brian, uh, he likes Psalm 23. And we're like, he never read the Bible, you know. <laughs> he doesn't know what it says. I'm about a shepherd, you know, something. Guess what? Let's change Psalm 23 from the Psalm of Death to the Psalm of Life, shall we? And here's what we're going to do for fun to remind us. Is, Psalm 23 is nicknamed in Hebrew literature the Pearl of the Psalms. Cindy's going to like this. Let's all wear pearls. Be fun? That just, I don't care what you got on. College girls taught me you can wear pearls with t-shirts, right, college girls, right? Now, so you have two weeks to work on Psalm 23. Please, Buck has fantastically, I love how he wrote, read it two or three times so you can get the gist of it. You've learned observation, interpretation, application skill today. Mark it up however you want to do it. View it as the Psalm of Life. Wear your pearl necklace in two weeks. Pray for 20 little kids, little boys and girls to trust Christ, right? Let's wrap up and have some personal prayer time, shall we? And let's just go before the Lord in in the quietness of our hearts. Ask him to really, really, really show us what it means, hidden faults, presumptuous sins, to begin to worship him through general and uh, specific revelation, to understand that the law is good, and it's wonderful, and it endures forever. And verse 14, our memory verse, right, guys? 
Let the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable. Let's just take it. We'll, we'll just be silent for a few minutes, and then I'll close this, okay? Father, we're reminded that you are living water, and we know we're thirsty. It was 100 degrees yesterday. We were thirsty all day long, I'm sure, in some form or fashion, thirsty for your spirit, thirsty for um, your coming, of course, thirsty for perhaps affection from a child, a husband, a friend, thirsty for energy and strength or physical healing, thirsty for something. And I thank you that you are living water bubbling up over in us. Father, thank you for the gift of your word again. We just, we can talk all day about the joy and gift that it is. Thank you for the humility that you have put in our minds to recognize the gift your word is and how when all is, is gone, your word stands forever and the souls of men stand forever. Pray that we would understand and worship you through the glory and beauty that you've given us. I think of my friend Jeannie going to Colorado. I know it, it is so easy to worship in Colorado. <laughs> Because of the gorgeous beauty. But Father, help us worship in hot college station. Help us worship each moment we see and value the God who made that flower. And as G.K. Chesterton said, I love when he talks about God has not grown old, but we have. We've grown old because we've seen the same thing over and over. We don't even see it anymore. Help us to appreciate you for the way you made flowers and grass for yourself and trees and sun and light, the gorgeous moon, the evening. Help us not to take these things for granted. We do not want to be like the Israelites were when they approached Canaan and had to turn back because they didn't get it. I don't want to forget. I want to remember and I want to be thankful. I don't want to be a spoiled brat who doesn't notice anything that you've given me. Father, fill us with your spirit. We know that we cannot do anything in the flesh. We can't flee from sin. We can't call on the name of Jesus. We can't read your word with interest, <laughs> desire. We cannot obey you. We can't understand hidden fault or presumptuous sins, general written revelation. We can't understand any of these things. Fill us with your spirit. As we walk away, I do pray that we would feel like we had a spiritual injection, a, a meal of some sort where we got to experience spiritual man. Our, t- our spiritual tummies are full of things to think about, to haga, to chew. And I pray that you would use these things mightily to sprout them in our hearts and to cause us to obey. Father, please use the next two weeks as we study Psalm 23, the Psalm of Life, and we think about the pearl of great price that you call your word. Father, I think of unbelievable sports camp opportunities coming. We ask you in the name of Jesus for 20 children to trust Christ. There's a Billy Graham in there. There is an Elizabeth Elliot in there. Father, use those children. Let them hear the gospel. Let the gospel be clear. Use all of the workers. Energize them. Protect them and bless them. Thank you, Father, for dear sweet friends here, the sisterhood we have in Christ. And the love we have in Jesus, it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. See you in two weeks, ladies.